Welcome back to Decoding Careers. Um, so sat opposite um, quite an well, definitely an inspiring leader. Um, probably in my probably in the recruitment world, this person would be known as a as a bit of a big hitter. All right, just 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 to um, sort of manage expectations. There. And he's looking at me now, like please please shut up. But no, it's it's an absolute um, pleasure um, to be to be joined with Paul Keane, uh, the CTO at Tyro Payments, and he's, he's actually been there since August 2022. So Paul's got over 25 years experience in leading engineering teams from startups to large ASX listed companies. So he's been at the likes of Tyro, um, he's been at Qantas and also CTO at Airtasker as well. And he's also uh, wore this the CIO hat at Dick Smith electronics as well so i'm sure a lot of you already know a bit about tyro payments but for those of you that don't tyro is the largest fpos provider outside of the four uh, the big four banks uh, and providing fpos and banking solutions that support over seventy thousand australian businesses probably the shortest intro that i've done on the show which probably sum, sums up um, the person that I've got opposite me, but um, welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks very much for having me. Two Englishmen sitting across from each other. How long does it take before we start talking about football? <laughs> well, we've already we've already been there, haven't uh, we? We've done the prelim. We'll see how we do on the podcast. That's it. But we don't want too many engineers to to, to turn the episode off, so we'll, we'll move on pretty quickly. <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> um, no, it's an absolute pleasure to and um, look before before we start the show today, Paul. Um, I think what I wanted to what I wanted to do is just briefly touch on um, our sponsors, Meet Magic, because obviously you you introduced you introduced me um, to to Carl there, and obviously you're you're on the board, um, and yeah, I think before we jump into it, like, do you want to talk to us a bit about sort of um, a bit a bit of a story behind that? Um, and what your role looks like in that sort of space. Yeah, sure. So a bit of passion of mine. So I've been on the advisory board uh, for the last six years for Starlight. So I'm very passionate around what they do from the gift giving to the, the um, especially around the, the rooms, the Starlight rooms they do and all the things around indigenous communities and things like that. But what Meet Magic does is a very interesting concept. Uh, we worked with Carl where... The whole idea is executives give 45 minutes of their time and uh, vendors effectively bid to to uh, introduce themselves to those execs. And I think that's a, it's a great thing for, it's a bit of a win-win uh, that execs are doing that all the time. Vendors are having to pay extraordinary money to try and get access to execs. You know, there's all these conferences, they spend stupid money on pens and things like that. And so the idea of... Uh, all the executives got to do is give 45 minutes of time and they know they can directly uh, interact with those people. And if it works, fantastic, then they move on. If they don't work, it goes to the children's charity. So yeah. it's an excellent initiative. Um, Carl's raised over a million dollars um, for the uh, for Starlight. So it's been a huge success story. Yeah, perfect. And um, keen golfer, um, do you get out much on the course or...? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the more middle aged, the more I get uh, to play. So uh, the the kids are now old enough that I can leave them alone, and so I get I get one one morning or one afternoon or a weekend to yeah. uh, experience that. Yeah, nice. 
And I think what 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 I think in terms of your background, this was quite interesting to me. Um, you know, you started your career as an IT support technician at, at University of Southampton, and then you went straight into a co-founder lead developer role. From what I can see, is was that not a big jump straight away? Like. Do you, want to, do you want to talk me through that? Because that, that is sort of... It's an unusual journey. So yeah. I've, I've listened to other people on your podcast and they've, they've, they're incredibly talented, intelligent people who did the right thing and studied hard and got their good HSE results and went to university, probably topped out that and congratulations and got an amazing internship and um, are pretty on a different journey than, than that. Uh, of So I did my A-levels. Um, I was doing my A-levels. Uh, dividing binary and wondering what the hell am I doing with my life and decided that wasn't wasn't going to be for me. So I decided to go to the world of work. And at the time, uh, I joined, uh, basically it was like a grad pro, like a, I don't know, it's a version of um, sort of a grad internship program where I did two days a week uh, at, at some university and then three days a week at a, a, a company. And I joined this company um, where we were going to do originally um, what they call QuickTime VR, which is, do you, know, do you remember the way they had photos and you could walk around those photos? And, yeah. they, and I built this thing where you could do that and you could jump the ball around, and I, I was very proud of that. Um, no surprise, there was no market for that. And then around 98, um, we decided to collapse that and we actually co-founded this company doing this stupid thing called e-commerce in 98 when it's all dial-up and everyone thought it was mad. And it turned out to be a really good idea. And I really sort of piggybacked off that. And that's kind of how it all went through. So LinkedIn looks a very glamorous world, but it was very much a, um, I just, university didn't, that whole academic life didn't, didn't resonate with me at the time, which I probably now regret. Um, but I found work and then suddenly I found that this, when I was learning, I could then implement what I was learning and then I became obsessed with, with work and just carried on through. Yeah. And sort of wearing that hat of being like a co-founder, lead developer, what sort of challenges was you facing? I, I hated it. So we have this now glamour around startups. Um, so there were small businesses back then. And so nowadays we have this glamour that you're going to work and you're in, um, you know, work to your bone and see if you can survive. For me, as oh, I was like a 17 year old kid, just completely stressful. So you've got to pay people and you know you're seeing the revenue come in and you know you don't have the money to pay these people. You're not sure, you're not taking a wage. Um, and the stress just builds up and builds up and builds up. And I, I remember uh, I hired my brother, who's a, who's a very good programmer, and I know he was getting full wage and I was getting no wage. And I just, just went, oh, this, this is too much. So that's actually why I, why I ended it. How did it go with working with your brother? Was that, but that was a bit of a challenge in itself? Or was... uh, no, he was he was really good. So he's, uh, he's, he's older than I am, but yeah. he... Um, He's one of those really annoying people who just says programming like it's easy. Okay. He just doesn't understand why it's why it's hard. And so I think he's in the top uh, 200 most painted people in the world ever. Oh, so wow. he's, um, yeah, I hate you know, siblings that do well, <laughs> don't you? A little bit of yeah. your something, you dies. Yeah. <laughs> I can see your face as you're telling that story. <laughs> 
please change the subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, good stuff. And so I think one thing I want to get your opinion on in terms of a software engineer then, do they, does an engineer these days, I know it might have been different back in the day in terms of going to uni, um, getting the fundamentals, getting the masters or whatever. Have you worked with some engineers in the past that sort of haven't come from that type of background that have been just as good? Yeah, I think we're all biased by our, our history. So obviously I'm looking for other people who go, oh, you haven't done that. But it's a, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're looking at whether you should go to university or should go into a startup, there's plenty of time to go to university. It's 100% the harder way to do it because I could hack around and I've I been programmed since, what, like seven years old. Um, but I found it the fundamentals, getting someone to sit down and teach you why this is the case I could know. I knew I could do it. I just didn't know why that was the case, and so I think having those that background is really important. However, saying that, it's not for everyone, and everyone has a different pathway. The attributes are kind of really looking for when you know, you're scanning through all these CVs. Is you're trying to find some skill set, uh, an attribute, or something they've learned that requires persistent effort to become good at that. So I don't care whether it's kicking a soccer ball or it's playing guitar or been very good at speed cubing. Something that required persistent action and learning and constant learning over a long period of time is that's what I'm looking for because they generally make very good engineers um, who are very inquisitive, who who want to, um, want to learn because it's quick to learn programming. It's not that hard. To become a good programmer is really hard. And so you need someone who's willing to have that discipline. And you've worked in some top environments, and obviously you're, you're working for one at the moment in, in Tyro, but uh, Tasker, um, Qantas, um, Nuix, um, Tyro, you've worked with some and led some great engineers in your time. Like, what what's what does a good what does a good programmer look like to you? Like. If you had to sing, if you had to sort of single, not you don't have to mention any names, but I'm sure a few programmers come to your mind that you don't need to sort of speak about openly. But what is it that makes them better than the rest? I think it's like the difference between what makes a mid-level developer and a senior developer. So you need to understand the business. You need to understand the context because what you're trying to do as a developer is building the use case that you're trying to solve. The product managers come through and said, "I need X, Y feature." You're trying to think of all the edge cases of how that's that that could break. So somebody who understands the business really well, a really good engineer, knows the business. You, you know, probably, I don't know whether you, if you're not an engineer, you probably don't, you're probably only coding for two hours a day. That's probably the amount of coding you do. But the rest of your time, you're sitting in wonderful meetings uh, that developers love dearly. Um, but you're also spending an awful lot of time just trying to understand the context of what they're trying to achieve and think of all those use cases that they're there. And that's what makes a really good uh, engineer, someone who's very, very inquisitive. Yeah. Okay. Can ask lots of questions. And, yeah, engineers generally do like to ask lots of questions. So is that being sort of more on the commercial side then? Sort of understanding the business problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah, I would say most... In most organizations, the technical people know more about the organization than the organization that knows themselves because yeah. they have to touch everything. You know, there are exceptions to this, but mostly companies are technology companies now. 
that happen to have some flavor of doing something else. And so these engineers understand not just conceptually how it works, they actually understand how something actually works. Um, and I think that's why you need to have these the, the senior engineers who are going in there, talking to the different business and the stakeholders and going like, don't just tell me roughly or, or give me a metaphor. No, tell me exactly how that works. Yeah. And I think that's probably the difference between a mid and a senior as well is, is knowing why they're building something as well, rather than just, just being told to build and program and just having their heads down and building. Yeah, there was an interesting... Um, because they're always trying to work out what is good developer productivity. And, and there was a, a tool called Git Prime. And one of the things they were, I trialed it, and the, one of the things they were looking at was was um, code churn. And what their theory was, was that um, you could tell code churn was something who p people got stuck. So code churn is when you, you write some code, you might submit it, and then you write it again because you, you think it may have broken it. So they thought, well, that's a junior thing. From what I've seen from larger engineering teams, is this an interesting middle ground. The junior people did have high code churn because they were still trying to work out how to, to work the tools. The mid-level developers are now proficient. They know their craft and they can write code. The really good engineers wrote the code, saw how it worked, and then rewrote the code to optimize it. Yeah. And that's the difference. I mean, ah, so we found that code churn was, was a very hard metric to actually look at because it goes, it's either your having troubles or you're exceptionally good yeah and that's in, that's really interesting and i've never never heard that before but um yeah because so the senior is typing that code out and going you know what i can make this better I can yeah. solve this problem i'm going again it's not like i've now seen it in production it's it's not as performant as i was expecting to and that's yeah. going to cause a problem and so they're going back in there and fixing yeah. it now obviously so you started as a IT support technician and you jumped into your own business. Um, where did the, was there a leader that you crossed paths with as you was sort of um, working for your career that you, you looked up to and, and aspired to um, in your career or did you sort of just pick it up yourself? I think like as a leadership, I think it's almost the same as your French career. When you're like you're in your 20s, you're a sponge, right? You are picking up all these different attributes from your friends, people you work with. And and hopefully what you're doing is you're you're ignoring the bad behavior and, and, and saying, I don't, I don't want to be that. But hopefully you're looking at the people and going, those are the particular thing attributes that I want to have. So I had, I don't think I've ever been through a formal coaching process, which wouldn't, would have been wonderful to do. It's more taking those attributes and I act and I actively went, all right, that person does this. Um, and it could be just from your, I remember having somebody I worked with, a colleague who happened to be my flatmate and my boss when I, when I worked in Oxford. And I was amazed that he would, uh, I would do the typical English thing, which is, you know, you do it at work come home, watch Coronation Street and, and have a uh, yeah, fish and chips and a, and a, and a cup of tea. Um, maybe a gin and tonic on a Thursday. Um, the, what I found is he would go out every night or he would always have an activity. He would all be trying to better himself. And he was an incredible, incredible individual. You know, one, of the, one of those amazing people who I was a flat with, with him for a year and he didn't, um, he wouldn't disclose things. And you find out, you know, I saw this brochure and they go, Hold on a sec, 
this you, you know, what's, what's that? He, goes, he was Rocky on the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the West End. And didn't he, say anything. Didn't say anything. And I was like, I would have told you that within two minutes of me. I, I'd have told you I was going to the audition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, even the first thing on my CV is your opening monologue. So what is that then? Is, what, what, it's just, I, think, I love the attribute that he was like, yeah. um, he would always go, I'm just always going to better myself. I'm not going to waste my time. And he was constantly full of energy. So I took that attribute I'd do, and do that um, do that today where every every we have the family dinner and I'll go off and I'll be learning something new. No way. And so in a, you take those different attributes from those different leaderships and you see what's really good and you try to replicate those. So what's been the, give me an example of that then. What's, the, what's been the, the latest that you've, um, or do you not want to disclose it because <laughs> you don't want to? Uh, I mean, the the laser I'm doing is uh, guitar, which yeah, is okay. every Monday night I have the most humiliating experience, which is I sit in front of a guitar teacher and show him what, how well I did last week. It's uh, it's it's uh, character building. So what's what's harder, programming or learning how to play the guitar? Oh, guitar, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, is that, it's being biased because you've been around programming for so long, or is it actually? Much harder to learn. I think because there's a physicality to yeah. um, you actually got to move, be able to move your tendons. So you can you can actually almost feel your brain synapses forming to do a chord because you go begin the week go I can't do physically can't do this. Practice enough by the end of the week you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Now leadership. So there's a lot of engineers that that sort of I'm sure you you spoke to in the time or when you've watched them go through that transition what do you think is the most important like, how do you know you're ready to to tr- transition say I'm a, I'm a mid-level okay but i've i've got aspirations where i want to grow quickly and that's there's a there's a good and a bad to that there's a good because i'm eager i'm hungry i, I, I want it i want to go but also there's normally a leader there going look you can move quick but let's make sure we're not moving too quick but you don't really want to put that fire out that they've got in the belly to get to that position too quickly. So obviously, I know there's probably a skill in how to manage that, but how do you know if you're an engineer, regardless how long you've been programming for, that you're ready to step up into a leadership role? I think you're going to know whether you want it or not. And and that's the, the attribute you need to... You've got to want it because there are going to be things you will have to give up. I don't agree with the thing is, as you start to go beyond your six-man squad, six-person squad, um, you need to, you will eventually have to, you're going to have to choose between leadership mastery and technical mastery at some yeah, point. Yeah. And you cannot, you cannot do both effectively. You can still get on the tools a little bit if you really want to be that type of leader. You're probably not, I wouldn't advise it. Um, but you, you will be you know, not as good as you were and your leadership mastery will go up. I think one of the things you need to think about is whether you really have the appetite for it. So people think about leadership, they think about coming up with ideas. Really you know, yeah, yeah. You're, um, come to fourth dear friend. Yeah, it's it's the, but what what you really think about is what is your day to day leadership um, actually going to be? Well, one, it's a lot of compliance meetings, a lot of finance meetings, um, which is not fun to this day. But I think think about would you have the appetite for when things are going wrong? So it's easy to hire. It's easy to do budgeting. It's really hard when you've got to go, I've got to let someone go. I'm going to have to have performance manage this person out because it's good for the team. Do you have the stomach? No one has the appetite to do it. It's a horrendous thing to do. Mm-hmm. But do you think you could do that well? 
um, and well enough that you could do it, do it in a, in a, in a uh, nurturing way. And if you think you are one of those leaders who could do that really well, then then fantastic. So would you recommend then, rather than looking at the good of what a leader brings, you, would you recommend sort of before you jumped into this transition, would you look at the bad then? In terms of, can you, like you said, can you sum up that? Would you, is that how you would? I think you just go, I, mean, I think actually one of the things I found, probably the, one of the hardest things I found when I moved into a leadership role, away from a technical role, is I lost all the creativity. I could, at the beginning of the day, I had a problem. And at the end of the day, I said, I could fix these, these problems. I could tell you what I did. I am in a, you know, 10 hours of meetings and I am tired and exhausted and I have no idea what I did. And it doesn't, and it doesn't feel like you don't have that creative skill like you have with software engineers where you're solving a problem. You don't really necessarily always get that. Um, and it's very hard to attribute all this effort you're putting into what is the overall outcome. Because what you're really doing is facilitating lots of people to do their best job. That's what you're trying to do. So I think that's that's one of the things you've got to realize you're not going to get that that fame that buzz thing. when you've programmed and you can see the results pretty quickly. Yeah, in leadership it's six, twelve months, potentially longer. And I find I actually find it really hard when we do, when we're celebrating our wins and we do a product launch and things like that. And I go, well, how much did I contribute to that? It's like, well, I remember either been part of the opening meeting, I went to Steerco's, and I, and I maybe pushed things in the right direction, solved some problems, but it was those people who did the work and I kind of just, you know. So would this be sort of Tyro Pro as an, as an example? Well, I'm glad you've done your research. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. but it is Tyro Ty Ty Pro. We, we, um, we had an amazing experience recently where we, uh, we were doing tap to pay on iPhone. So we were one of the first in, we were the first with Westpac in, in Australia where you could take payments on your uh, iPhone. Secret, like super secretive project. People, probably only 30 people in the whole company knew this thing was, was in existence. Um, and so, so it was one of those very rare occasions where we didn't just tell everyone about this. We told our company we've been doing this on the side and sorry we haven't been able to tell you and why no, one of these weird meetings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it still felt shallow because, you know, I, I remember being to the very first meeting and in working out how we're going to do this, but I didn't do it. Yeah, but that's probably the, that's where your value was added then at the, at the beginning in terms of how to get this going in terms of the plan, the roadmap. Your job is to, is to set the, um, the strategy, help set the strategy, help set the roadmap, help build a, a culture of performance um, and get the, yeah, for me, hundreds of people to do their best job regularly. That's my job. That's but how do you articulate that? It's really hard. And yeah. I think one of the interesting, well, the, the tough things from a technical leadership thing is, so you, you um, for those people who are not in the executive rooms and you sit around that white table wondering what they're doing in the boardroom, <laughs> um, we're all go we're often going through statistics, and it's and it's really hard because. Some of the you know the biggest costs are often technology and you know, biggest amount of people in most organisations, and you, you're walking around, you're sitting around there, and everyone's got metrics you're trying to go through, and you, the salesperson says, "Oh, well, I've got this this revenue growth over here," and the marketing people say, "I've got this thing." Finance tells you what expenses they're going through, and and HR even got all their metrics, and then they go to technology, and you go, oh, "What have you done? Well, I've launched this, but how do you know you're been productive?" Yeah. 
and we don't have good metrics. Yeah, yeah. And every time we try to put good metrics, they always suck. So that's a problem in the market, and there's a big gap in the market for that. And I spoke to a lot of leaders that have tried to implement certain solutions to monitor and enhance productivity and just to get clarity on like sort of KPIs as such, but within programming. But it's so difficult to do. So what 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 are businesses gonna do in that sort of I think we we're, we're all trying to find this 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 whether it's a um Dora metrics is or the space metrics or, or the, we, we've been trying this for in my whole career so um and probably way before that i don't think we've ever we've got organizational smells so we know that um that number of deploys is a good thing error rates is a good thing um but how many pull requests do we but we don't have one measure that go you know what we're doing a really good good job here and it's, un- it's unusual. I think it's almost completely unique to technology that we find a metric and, and agile to go, you know what, just don't worry about it. We'll get you there. But that's fine. But when you're spending $2 million a week, the CFO goes, what did you spend with my $2 million? And you go like, um, value. We created value for you. <laughs> it's really hard to, to say. So what, who's going to change that then? Because like, if you've been obviously you've been you've been around different environments, different have you never has nothing really come to your mind or were, have you tried different things? Is what I'm trying to say that, that haven't worked. Yeah, so I, I've 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 done everything from you know there are the Dora metrics and space metrics which we do use and they, again they're in good organisational smells to to look yeah. at. Um, the we've I've looked at um, Git statistics um, and that. It sounds evil, like you're looking at how many times they're writing code and putting things in, and, and it's as evil as you say. Because who who knows? Because um, you're encouraging people to go to the easy stuff. The hardest stuff is um, it's you know in the old bit of the code base that no one's really scared of. You know, you make one change could break down the whole thing. So no one's going, no one wants to do that. So there is no, there will be someone who will work this out, and they will go on a conference circuit and make a fortune out of yeah, a book. Yeah. Um, but to date, we're all trying That's and none crazy. of us have come there. It's crazy because all you're doing all day is solving problems and then this is a big problem, but then you sort of look past it and go, it's okay, we'll just get it done. Yeah. It's, 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 it's if, if, yeah, if you want to make a million, you know, millions of dollars, uh, my, my gift to you is come up with engineering um, productivity metrics and make a tool out of it and, uh, and good luck to you. You're not going to give it a go? Uh, no. no it's, uh, <laughs> I can see you leaning back. <laughs> you don't want to be a part of it. You tried. You, you tried. I've you? been beaten up by too many engineers who said, "Don't measure me." Oh, I know. No one can see us in, in the studio at the moment. But Paul almost fell off his chair. He was leaning up. Um, yeah. No. Okay. That's that's a really interesting point, and um, it's so ironic, really, isn't it? It's a u- very unique problem to sell, and you sound so weak in that round that yeah. um, that boardroom table. Um, but we're, we'll keep, we'll keep on that pursuit. Now you're going to hate this question, but at least I'm managing your expectations before it comes. So you can thank me for that. (laughs) Now you've obviously worked at top environments and you're the CTO at Tyrell Payments for a reason. What do you bring to the table that these people like? Why did they get the job? 
what 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 do you feel like as a leader that you bring to the table that makes you stand out? Yeah, I, I think this is. Re- I think it's a fascinating question because you know people talk about imposter syndrome and and. I always think that's a, I think it's great that people talked about imposter syndrome because um, everyone has it. And so it has brought it out to the fore. You know, I went to the TED talk and uh, Mike Cannon Brooks was talking about him and imposter syndrome and he's pretty confident about himself. Um, but I also think of the opposite side of that. It's really weird if you didn't have imposter syndrome that you're standing there as a leader in front of hundreds of people and um, they're smarter than you are. Most of them are smarter than you are. So, you know, how am I top of that 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 tree? So you should feel, you know, it'd be psychopathic if you if you weren't, mm. or you're a president of the United States or something. Um, so what attributes do I I bring? I think that you after you know you're you're fortunate to be in, to be in that position, and you've you probably had some wins on the board along the way, and you've probably made a couple of right jumps in your career to be able to to achieve that. I think the when I looked at you know, to your early question around what are some of the attributes you're looking at, and and I and I deliberately looked at try to distill something that I could work through as I was made a conscious effort to go into leadership, and, so, and I came up with three, and they're pretty simple and basic, which is know your shit. You can get you can only get away with it for so long. If you don't know what you're talking about, especially uh, engineers, there's no meritocracy on hierarchy. It's purely meritocracy based on knowledge. Uh, if you say the smart, the right thing, so know your know your shit. The second one is um, work hard. It gets seen. I know there's, it's fine, but if you're the one who's who's there early and leaving late, I know that's an old school th- concept, but in the end, it's noticed that. You've got to stand out somehow, and that is one attribute that actually does really help. And the third one is be kind. And I think that people remember that. They remember, you know, that when I've done the bad, I had to do bad things like restructures and make people redundant. How how was I as a leader? I've been through some interesting journeys um, where things have gone hopelessly wrong. So Dick Smith, when he went into administration, you know, how were you as a leader? during that experience and and that kindness and 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 hopefully well, hopefully that's what they would say about it, it was a re- for me a really good experience for, for all of us in a way that we bonded together we didn't break apart we actually went okay we're, we're all in this same situation together we're going to work through it probably a lot of teams went through that during covid when suddenly yeah. the world had changed to them so as long as i think those are the three attributes so know your shit work hard be kind and that's and um, hopefully if you take all those three boxes you're going to be a good leader yeah okay that's that's interesting they, they sound basic but there's obviously a lot of stuff around them them free attributes as well if you was to sort of dig deeper um and the the be kind's um an interesting point because when shit hits the fan excuse my french um, we'll, we'll be all right we'll don't cut that one out. Um, when when she hits the fan, um, I bet it's like you'll be going through all these different types of emotions. Where obviously you're going to be kind, but like I can I can just imagine, and I've never been through it myself. But do you sort of get swayed different ways? Like, is it is it a difficult situation to be in? Even though you 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 have to be kind, you want to be kind. 
is that is that probably one of the biggest challenges of, of the role? Yeah, I think you, you've been very authentic um, is really important. So, uh, again, people probably very few people have been through like a receivership. This is what happens. Um, you go in on that day and suddenly there's an influx of receivers and they're all sitting around there and they all grab your laptop and they take a forensic image of your laptop and you're sitting there with this thing and you don't know if you've got a job, you don't know what's going on, um, you don't think you get paid, it's all up in the air. Um, for those who have the corporate credit card, I tell you, you are now liable for that corporate credit card. So uh, check that, the T's and C's. Um, and so you've, you've got to try and bring all those people together and there will be official company lines that can come out that you are meant to say. Yeah. And I didn't feel authentic saying those things. So I was um, going, well, I can tell you what I actually said in Dick Smith. We sat around together and go, right, this is the situation we're in. We're still going to get paid for this period of time where they're going to try and find buyer. But we don't know if they're going to be a buyer, find a buyer. So what I want you to do is... I want you to, I don't want you to go off and sneak off and try and do interviews um, and then take a day off here and there. I'm sick for this day because what's that, all that's going to do is ruin it for the rest of the employees and you, it's going to be chaos. The kindest thing to do is to go, you know what? I'm just going off for an hour. Come back. We won't ask any questions and then it's authentic. It's authentic. So you can still carry on your day. Um, people aren't have to take your workload. And it's just those sort of messages that come through which go, that's an authentic message. Probably HR wouldn't be too happy with me saying that, but I think that brings the team together going like, we're all in this together. We know what the problems are. And I think as a leadership a leader, um, you suddenly stand out. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's so basic, but it's so like, obviously it's authentic, but it's so, like when I say basic, like it's, it's the right thing to do, but yeah, because otherwise you're just going to create a group of people lying to each other and people are going to start separating. It's going to cause trouble. There's going to be, and there's going to start being gossip yeah. around, oh, he, this person didn't come in. I wonder what they're doing. They're sick for two days and then you're going, you know, or, or you could just go off for a couple of hours. Yeah. But I mean, in the end, that's my leadership style, that what I want to do. And and definitely there are lots of leadership styles and you and as as the people going through need to understand what leadership styles and playing to their strengths. Um, take the, you know, takes probably the most successful leaders out there would be what, well, um, from a commercial point of view, um, you're talking about Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, um, Elon Musk, um, uh, Jeff Barr. They, they are brutal leaders. They don't care about the people whatsoever. But oh my God, they get stuff done. They don't. You know, they, you know, Elon Musk. If you if you if you say what he doesn't want to hear, you're fired. Right? That, that's your that's your psychological safety. It doesn't mean that he's a he's not my type of leader. But it doesn't mean he's a bad leader, and he's a very effective leader. So you got to understand which one you are. You on the, you know, are you the follow me? I'm I've I've got this path, and 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 I'm going to bring brilliant people along with me like those leaders or are you going to be more of a nurturing leader um, or whatever it is you need to bring it find out what your attributes are and how you want to be and that's understand your leadership style and obviously that changes as, as um, you you have a natural default leadership style but then you need to understand what your at, at other times there's times when you've got to be the I'm going to push you through through this because we, you know, 
we need to break through and then other times you can bring back to the nurturing leader what if i wanted to be a leader that had all that like do you, would people get caught up in trying to be perfect and trying to be a bit of everything yeah back to authenticity authenticity yeah. but i think you need you need to have a default so people yeah, need to yeah. know where you are going to, to to base yourself yeah and then you need to understand what is the um but then you can't be rigid to go that's that's the type of leader i'm i'm the nurturing leader yeah yeah when all hell's breaking loose or you you need to get to this deadline because you know what we're in trouble if we don't you need to change your leadership style and go like we need to be in this but then you go back to your default. People need to know where they stand with you. Um, and, and you can still be authentic. And then, and every now and again, I will go in there and I'll be quite tough. And then, but they know that that's not my, where I'll be, but it was a situation we needed to, to resolve. Yeah, all right, interesting. And now sort of going off topic a bit, well, on topic, but different. There's, there's, there's quite a lot of CTOs um, or leaders out there um, that they are a CTO, but they're coding 70% of the time. And majority of the time, it's a smaller business because trying to save on costs, trying to wear a few different hats, which is absolutely fine. Um, we all know people, we've all been in them sort of situations that have. But if, if you are, if you have gone into a leadership role and this, this is the first role that you've gone into and you are finding that you're spending 70% of your time as a really good programmer and only 30% as, as an actual leader. Would you say that's going to hurt your leadership career? Um, yeah. So there's a guy called Lou Cerny who created New Relic. Yeah. So uh, for those playing at home, uh, Lou Cerny is a, a New Relic is an anagram of Lou Cerny. Um, they, and he coded once a, once a week. Um, he got away with it because he owned the company. But I think you're not doing the right service for you. Your your team. There's lots of people who can code in your team, and probably can code better than you can. Now, if you're in a startup, it's needs must, right? It's a completely different yeah. thing. You know, um, yeah, when Airtasker was very yeah, small, even we were starting looking at the code. Um, very little of it for me, but um, the. I think you need to go, what does my team need from me? And I bet you a bottom dollar, it's probably not them you writing that pull request. Yeah. It's probably what they're looking for you is some direction and solving or some architectural thing to get through. That's what they're working for you. That's what you, you're, I think in those situations, you're coding because you want to feel like you're contributing. And it's in the back to that. And is it the comfort zone, do you think? A bit? It is a comfort zone. It's that whole where before I, I feel like I can say, say I did this today. And, and, and it's absolutely your ego to say, I still got this. Um, and, it's, and it's a horrendous thing to give up. You've learned this skill. You're very proud of it. You're probably very young and you're very passionate about it. Um, but you've got to make a conscious decision. Um, we actually have a, a, a leadership sort of attributes chart, like a, a competency framework. And it's actually uh, based, looks like a periodic table. One, because it suits probably the audience, but two, it makes a, it makes a call saying, once you get past a senior uh, software engineer, you have to make a choice. We're going to make you a deliberate choice. You're either going to go principal, staff engineer and up, or you're going to go down the leadership path and go and team leader and things like that. And we're going to force you to make that choice 
because otherwise you trying to do a little bit means you're going to do a poor job of both. Interesting. Is that just that your current environment or is that, is that something that you've brought across to different environments? We started doing it at Qantas. Okay. Um, that's really interesting because you'd be surprised it's a lot of engineering leaders, a lot of engineers that don't know the different paths, which is crazy. They, they've got an idea, but they don't really know what they're going to be doing. Yeah, then, we, we kind of used it for, um, we, had, we had two reasons for it. One was uh, agenda bias and pay around Qantas, which is another story I have to go into. Um, but there's the the main reason was people say, well, what does good look like? I know you keep telling me you should do this, but I don't have anything written down and engineers like, like you know, this is what needs to be. So um, we wrote these, these things. These are the attributes we're looking for as you go in there. And, and so they're based around leadership, collaboration, um, and then your different verticals of technical skill. And, and so we are saying, like, for example, you're a senior engineer and you want to move up, but you only ever collaborate within your tribe. Yeah. You don't talk to anyone else outside. And your job, if you want to, if you want to move up, we actually need to be contributing across the entire company and understand that. Um, so that's the key attribute we're looking for you to do next. And it helps people guide people. Yeah, interesting. Well, we could sit here all day, I think, and talk, talk about this, this topic and, and the football, of course. Um, but I think what what's next for for Paul? Um, well, we're recording this on a Friday night, so probably gin and tonic. But um, <laughs> the what career? I mean, I mean, I've I've think I've well, I could say I'm 45 years old at this point, and um, I I want to keep keep doing what I'm trying to do. I, I looked at that C CEO job thing, and it doesn't look like much fun. Um, so I don't want to do that. So. It's really trying to do this for the next yeah. period of time. And then I think then I, I have the, the, one of the things that I think boards need a lot of uh, growing up around technical space. So if I think of what boards role is around governance, um, that their biggest risk is technology, their biggest um, cost is technology and the biggest capability is technology probably going forward for most companies. And boards are incredibly filled with financial people and legal people. And I think that um, there's a whole wave of you're seeing people see the sea levels coming through now who probably will go to those board seats to help 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 those companies. And and I love the karma idea of that I can then give an action item to some sea level exec and then they have to do it and I'll do what do what they do to me, which feel feels 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 good right now. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else that you sort of want to add before before we go? Um, if you want to go to Meet Magic and, and sign up there, it's uh, it's it'd be worth your time. It's forty five minutes of your time, and it would be a uh, a very rewarding experience. Perfect. Cheers, Paul.